My name is Heidi, and I love stories. Funny stories, sad stories, and what on earth just happened stories. As it turns out, the Bible is full of them. And after two decades in Sunday school and a master's in English, I'm here to tell them to you. Get ready. This is Messy Scripture. Last episode, we got to know Joseph, who within the span of 13 years went from being his father's favorite to a slave to a prisoner to the second most powerful man in Egypt. The famine has hit, and it's real bad. Not only is the famine bad in Egypt, but for probably unrelated reasons, there's a famine in Canaan. See, Egypt is fed by the Nile, Canaan is fed by rainfall, and so there's no reason that they're both having a famine at the same time except for God seems to have ordained it. The famine is real bad. So bad, in fact, that Jacob sends all of his sons, except for Benjamin, who is his new favorite because Joseph is dead, in Jacob's mind, to Egypt to see if they have any grain, because they are definitely going to die if they don't go to Egypt and get something. The ten sons of Jacob roll up and meet the second most powerful man in Egypt, who they do not recognize. Handsome, young, using a translator, definitely not who they expected. And he doesn't reveal who he is. See, Joseph definitely recognizes his brothers. And it brings up a whole lot of what one might call complicated feelings to see them again at all. He immediately accuses the ten sons of Jacob for being spies. And they're like, no, we're not spies. We're all the son of one man. We're here to buy food. We're just starving. We're not spies. And he's like, no, you're definitely spies. There's no way you're the son of one person. It's this whole thing. But we are the sons of one man. We're not spies. And Joseph's like, spies. They're like, no. Joseph offers them a solution. The only way that he will accept that they are not spies is if they bring that mysterious brother that they said they had back at home. The only way that he can guarantee they'll come back if they leave behind one of their other brothers, any of their other brothers. After all, they're not spies, right? Their father wouldn't, you know, give up one of his sons, right? They spend three days in custody. The brothers, not Joseph. And Reuben is like, I told you so. I definitely told you so. We are getting treated like this because we had Joseph killed. Because again, it was the same way it is now. Selling someone into slavery is a death sentence. Not in the metaphorical like, oh, we'll never see them again. But like in the, they are definitely going to get killed in slavery sense. So Reuben's convinced that this is all because Joseph is dead and his blood is crying out. He's not that far off. Anyway, three days later, Joseph summons the sons of Jacob and binds Simeon before their eyes. He does sell them grain, though, and uh, they get to go back to Jacob, sans Simeon, with the orders to bring back this youngest mysterious brother that Joseph is like, I don't think he exists, but whatever, bring him if you can, and then I'll release Simeon to you. And they're bearing food. They're also bearing all of the money they paid for the food, because Joseph had ordered his servants to sneak the men's money back into their sacks of grain, and they don't discover it until they're like all the way back in Canaan, which is a real problem. They also have the problem of explaining to Jacob that Simeon is in Egyptian prison, and the only way he can get out is if they take Benjamin with them the next time. And Jacob's like, absolutely not. I've lost Joseph. I've lost Rachel. You want me to lose Benjamin now, too? And they're like, geez, Dad, we still are here. And also Leah and also his two concubine wives. But whatever, Jacob had problems and he was heartbroken and the light had gone out of his life and blah, 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 blah. Well, the grain that they'd bought from Joseph the first time did eventually run out. And they were like, we have no choice but to go back to Egypt. Also, we need to get Simeon. And Jacob's like, yes, fine. Take gifts with you, take the money that you paid the first time, but for God's sake, bring Benjamin back. So the ten sons of Jacob who are available, not Joseph because he's second most powerful man in Egypt and not Simeon because he's in prison in Egypt, return to see Joseph, the governor. 
And they do their very, very best to explain that they did not try to steal their money back, that it just mysteriously ended up in their grain sacks. But Joseph doesn't seem super interested. As soon as he meets Benjamin, he's like, no, 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 come to the governor's house. Come eat, sit. And he sits them down in their birth order, the correct birth order. And they're like, how did he know what order we're born in? And they're like, Simeon, are you okay? And he's like, yeah, I'm fine. And they're eating and talking. And Joseph is hearing all of it because while he had been using an interpreter, he didn't need one. He just needed to keep up his disguise as the governor of Egypt and not their traumatized little brother that they'd thrown into a cistern and sold into slavery. More than once during these incidences, Joseph got up and just sobbed in the back because it was heartbreaking to see his brothers. Painful, brutal. How is he supposed to forgive them? More importantly, what is he supposed to do that now that they're here? They were supposed to be gone. They were supposed to be out of his life forever. And all of them are back. And this time he has all of the power. They are bowing to him just like he thought they would. And it doesn't feel the way that he thought it would. And Joseph's like, so the old man you mentioned is still alive? And they're like, still alive. He's doing his thing. And Joseph decides to give the brothers another test. He sends them on their way with grain that they had purchased, but this time he slips his silver goblet into Benjamin's bag. Now keep in mind, Joseph was doing this because he wanted to see what kind of people his brothers had become. It's been over 20 years. Maybe they've changed, but like anyone would be in this position, Joseph isn't willing to go on a little faith here. He wants to see for himself what his brothers have become. All of the sons of Jacob, sons Joseph, leave with their sacks of grain and the silver goblet of Joseph's snuck into Benjamin's and get partway out of Egypt. And Joseph's guard chases them down, saying that the cup is missing, that they must have stolen it. And they're like, absolutely not. We didn't. Put us to death if we did. They search the bags, oldest to youngest, again, mysteriously. And boom, the goblet was in Benjamin's sack the whole time. My God! And the sons of Jacob realize that they are screwed. There is no way out of this. They already know this is going to go bad. The governor doesn't like them. He doesn't trust them. And they have just stolen something incredibly valuable from him. See, the thing is, the easiest way to poison someone is with their wine. And so important people would have a cup that was their cup and a cupbearer that was their cupbearer who would test the drinks. So the slap in the face of stealing Joseph's particular cup is a way of saying that they could have killed him if they wanted to. They were able to get in and they were like, we didn't do it, but what are they going to say? Turns out we didn't do it is all they can say. And they try to explain that it was a mystery. They don't know how it got there, but they'd already had the problem with the last time they went to Egypt and had their money snuck back into their sacks. What are they supposed to say to him? And Joseph puts to them yet another test. He's not asking all of them to stay in Egypt. He just wants Benjamin. He's going to keep Benjamin forever as a prisoner because he's the one who stole the silver goblet. He can tell that the other ones didn't do it. And this is the most unacceptable outcome for them. It would be terrible, they realize, if Benjamin stayed. Judah steps up and explains to Joseph that this whole situation is a punishment because they'd had another brother years ago. Benjamin's older brother, in fact, his older full brother, who their father had lost and that it would kill their father if he lost Benjamin too. And Judah asks the second most powerful man in Egypt if he can stay instead. To send Benjamin home, Judah's not willing to put him through the pain of losing another one of Rachel's sons again. He learned his lesson. He's grown up. This is after Judah and Tamar. This is after everything else. He's not going to put Jacob through the loss of Benjamin. And at this point, Joseph can't control himself. Joseph sends all of his servants out of the room and then tells his brother who he really is, that he's Joseph. 
they are terrified because while it was bad when the governor of Egypt didn't really like them and had a complicated relationship, the relationship's a lot more complicated if it's Joseph in charge. But he reassures them that he's not angry anymore. He's forgiven them. In fact, more importantly, he was sent to Egypt to save everyone's life, not just his family's, but the entire population of Egypt. Everything that had happened actually turned out for good, that he just wants his family in Egypt to keep them safe because the famine is definitely bad. He sends them away with gifts and with silver and tells them to bring their father home. He also makes sure to mention to them that they should not fight on the way. Joseph hasn't forgotten what his brothers are like, but he's also seen how they've changed. It takes a lot of convincing on the brothers' part to get Jacob to believe that Joseph really is alive and really has invited them to live forever in Egypt. But finally they convince him, and they pack up and head out. Everyone, between Jacob and his sons, his wives and the sons of his sons, 70 people, counting Joseph and his wife and his kids. Pharaoh is thrilled to find out that Joseph actually has family because he really likes Joseph, and he gives them some great land, the land of Goshen, where they're allowed to raise their sheep and farm and do whatever they'd like because, again, Pharaoh really, really likes Joseph. God has worked out one of the greatest redemption stories that he's ever going to pull. I mean, it's nowhere close to the really big one, but it's still pretty amazing. Everyone in Egypt, all of Jacob's family, and all of human history, if you think about it that way, was saved because the favorite couldn't avoid being the favorite. He's reunited with his father, and there Israel lives out the rest of his days, blessing first Joseph's younger son and then his older, you know, just like happened with him. But this time there was no goat hair arm thing. Jacob does it of his own volition, despite Joseph's minor protests. And when Jacob is dying, he blesses all of his sons, also reminding Reuben that he definitely knows about the time Reuben slept with the concubine. And then Israel is gathered to his father's. He dies in Egypt, and all of Egypt mourns for him. Once Jacob passes away, many years after he moved down, by the way, the other sons of Jacob are very worried that Joseph is going to now take his vengeance, you know, kind of thinking that Joseph will do what uh, Jacob believed that Esau would do. But Joseph reassures them that no, everything that happened, God had worked together for good already. Who was he to interfere? Things turned out fine. In fact, everyone had bowed to him, so really, who's the real loser here? And Joseph encourages his brothers to stay. He's forgiven them, and they are safe. The entire family of Israel has now left the land of Canaan and is living in the land of Goshen, which is part of Egypt. None of them will return to Canaan before they die. But Joseph asks for a very specific favor, that when finally the sons of Israel get to leave Egypt, that his bones will be taken with them and buried in the land of Canaan. Because Joseph understands that the promise of God is about Canaan specifically, and it's about Israel's family specifically, and he wants to be a part of it. And in faith, Joseph asks to be buried, finally at rest, when they get to leave. We've now covered the entire book of Genesis from beginning to end, from the creation of the world to the salvation of the nation of Israel, well, all 70 members of Israel's family. And next episode, we're going to start into Exodus. And we're going to find out just how it was that Israel's descendants got to leave Egypt several hundred years later. Godspeed until the next several hundred years passes, which for us will only be a few days. Catch you then. <laughs>